Hi everyone, welcome to the Blue Sky Podcast, two parts of lager and a spreadsheet. I'm Dave Gibson, I'm here with my co-founder and CEO, John Dudgeon. Today we welcome Mark Bryan, MD and founder of the award-winning media partnership and film hero. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about how being a specialist can often be more profitable and satisfying than being a generalist. Creating client personas to really get under the skin of radio marketing and indeed any marketing campaign. And the five ingredients needed for a business video marketing strategy. again we've known each other a long time now and you're maturing very nicely so i've just said beforehand you've kind of got that george clooney look with your stubble there um, oh you're trying you're flirting with me now dave yeah yeah. (laughs) i'm just trying to get you in a good mood so you'll start talking to you tell us a bit about yourself you you, you've you've kind of got two strands to the business going on which is media partnership and and film hero um why don't you talk us through and and media partnership's been going for um, a substantial number of years, 2005, I think you were. Um, you, you launched. Right, yeah. um, well, let's 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 go before that. What what on earth got you into this kind of stuff, and and what is this kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I, I suppose the best way to start is probably to kind of like rewind it all the way back to um, when I first kind of got into to media, really. So media has always been kind of in my blood. Um, Kind of, my dad used to have kind of video cameras as a when I was a kid, and I always be kind of like playing with those. Even go back to the cine cameras, I've actually got kind of on the shelf behind me. I've actually got uh, one of kind of his old kind of cine cameras as well, um, kind of on on the shelf there. So it's always been kind of there. Um, always been interested in filming and things like that. And I remember kind of like doing recordings as well as a as, as a kid. And so I kind of I, I knew I wanted to work in media. And from an early age, I started kind of getting experience in there. So I kind of I was assistant cameraman at the the BBC, um, the, so the Pink Palace uh, in Newcastle. I kind of I did a bit of work experience there. I worked at Tyne Tees as well. So I did a bit of kind of like running work at, uh, at Tyne Tees when it was on City Road, the classic building there, which was a chain. Uh, it was a quiz show called Chain Letters which was kind of in the supermarket sweep slot, you know, kind of like before this morning. So it was in that kind of slot, um, did a bit of running work on on that. Worked as assistant photographer at the Sunderland Echo, which was kind of, again, this is kind of like going back shooting on film. And then I actually, I ended up doing a week's work experience at Century Radio, uh, which at the time was at the end of the end of the time bridge. And I t- what I'd done is I'd, I'd taken a year out between finishing my A-levels and wanting to go to university because my, my Mock grades weren't great, and I wanted to kind of apply to university on my, my actual grades. Um, and did a week's work experience at Century, and then at the end of the week, I went, look, I haven't got anything to do next week. Do you mind if I come back again? Um, and basically, I kept going back every week, and I ended up staying there for a year. I ended up being their first full-time um, commercial producer. I was also the producer of the, the weekend phone-in as well, so working with the, kind of the talk show hosts, um, on that and it just kind of it really went from there so I really kind of I didn't intend on working in radio initially I just kind of fell into it always knew I wanted to go to university went to university ended up getting involved in the student radio station there uh, left university went to Bristol for a bit to work for Galaxy there came back to the northeast 
to work for Century. They asked me if I'd go back again. Went back to Century for a little bit. They were at the time part of the Capital Radio Group. So then I was then late promoted to national production manager of the Capital Radio Group. And I kind of got to a point where I was like, you know, I've kind of hit a ceiling here in, in terms of radio. I had two choices. I could either set my own business or I could move to, to London and work um, from the Leicester Square office. And I just thought, well, if I did move to London, then how long would it be until I, I again eventually hit that ceiling? So I thought, I'm, I think I'm going to have a look and actually start my own business here I think that's you know it's always been there um it's always something I've been interested in doing so gradually started setting some things up in the background and then there was talk of a, a merger with another radio group and because I was in a management position I just started thinking okay you know maybe there may be a kind of an inkling of a redundancy package here since I'm in a management role so basically I started out for was like over six months kind of just itching to leave and then sure enough, I was offered a, a redundancy package and I, I had to tr just try not to smile during that my um, consultation meeting because um, obviously I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to leave. Um, and then basically what happened is I sort of left and then I set up a, um, a business to begin with, which was what, with, one of my, um, with one of my colleagues from radio to begin with, which was it was actually called it was called pure hq was the the first business and basically we were going to do everything we we're going to do events management we we're going to do radio production we're going to do web design we we're going to do all this kind of these different things and we'll kind of just kind of shoot in so many different directions uh, but then i ended up kind of breaking off and just start my own um, business called hush which is all audio production that was my um my passion and that was the beginning of media partnership really so it started as a audio production facility doing mainly radio and uh, radio advertising and things like on hold messaging and things like that um picked up some good clients as well in the early days um but when the credit crunch happened and obviously later the recession um i realized how kind of complacent i'd i'd kind of been and kind of got those you know those big clients initially but one of them was in the in kind of the the nightclubs and bar industries. Um, so it was at, at the time it was the largest owner of nightclubs and bars in the UK, and we were doing like launches for them like every week. Um, and basically, kind of during the credit crunch and obviously the recession, they said, right, we're not going to do any new launches. So like that income just kind of disappeared overnight. And there was also there was a, a clothing retailer, um, so a national clothing retailer. We were doing all of their national and national ads and obviously you remember at the time you know the high street was really badly hit and that company went into administration so again we know that we lost that big client like literally overnight and I kind of at that point there I realized just how kind of complacent I'd become in terms of you know picked up those clients and I just kind of sat back and just I'd lost that kind of hunger for it obviously that changed when they disappeared um so from there, kind of looked at diversifying the business, um, looked at my skill set that I'd learned from uni. And so we looked at doing it. So it was audio, video, print and online. We looked at doing, um, diversified massively, picked up work in a lot of different fields, started like networking a lot. But the problem I hit was that I diversified the business so much. It's OK. So how do we then grow? How do we? scale this thing now because 
you know, I'm wearing so many different hats in very different fields. It was a real struggle to know how to how to actually grow it. Um, so, I, you know, I made some obviously like some big mistakes then in terms of diversifying so much. That, so then over time, we've really kind of honed it down. Um, diversify. We um, honed it down to just TV and radio production. And then we honed it down even more to just TV and video production. And now we basically say it's TV and video marketing is what we do. So all of the work that we do is generally video based. And it's all about how can we help businesses increase their profits through the use of video. So that might be, you know, bringing people down the sales funnel and actually kind of first of all attracting them and then converting those people into customers but also it might even be internally in terms of getting um teams all focused in the same direction as well so that's why we say it's kind of we basically help businesses increase their profits through the use of video yeah. so that's i know i've kind of crammed a lot into that uh, that short second no no second I, I, it's brilliant mark and uh you know there are so many topics that we're going to c- cover um o- over those sort of 18 years but we, and we've talked about this with other guests, but what I'm really interested in is on that first morning, you know, where you started your business, like, what did you do? Do you know what it is? That I still re- really remember that um, that morning, like really vividly. That so at the time I was so I set my business originally for my two bed apartment, um, yeah. literally kind of just just up the road in Gateshead. So I've, I've still actually got it. Actually, I've got it. It's a bite let now, um, but. So I remember opening my brand new laptop that I bought and just, it was almost, I can't describe it. It was almost like this weight had been lifted of employment, the kind of working in radio. And I had this kind of like blank canvas to kind of like literally the world was my, my oyster. You know, where do we, where do we start? Um, thankfully, I had obviously that redundancy payment. So I knew that I had, that even if I didn't bring any work in, that would last me for like six months anyway. So I had a nice cushion there um, to begin with. And it was just, I just remember it being like this kind of like amazing feeling of like, you know, I can I can literally do whatever I want now. Um, so where do we start? And it was literally just kind of the case of just picking up the phone to begin with and just saying, look, you know, I'm here. Um, <laughs> so speaking to, speaking to my initial contacts to begin with and just saying, you know, I'm kind of, I've left a couple of radio groups you know, I am, I'm available and I actually picked up some freelance work to begin with, with some other radio groups. Um, and actually the capital radio group actually employed me as a freelancer about two weeks afterwards as well. So, um, so that's kind of how it started really. It, it is amazing. Like we don't ask every guest that question, but every guest we have asked it to face like lights up just at the memory of, 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 of that moment, I guess. And, and sort of the start of the journey and, and, and uh, yeah, I guess it can can be daunting, but probably at the time it, it it isn't daunting at all, is it? It's just full of sort of opportunity and 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 uh, yeah. The th- I mean, the, the the thing for me at the time was because I think it was the excitement. So the excitement, of obviously, kind of doing something new. Um, but one thing I did find was it was that excitement. It only lasts so long because once you're then in that world and when I worked in radio I was really sociable so um it's like I popped out to see the news team uh I popped out and kind of like you know kind of 
have a chat to the person on reception. I'd go into the radio studio and kind of um, talk to the presenter between like um, to, between the tracks. Um, so going from that to then going to working from home and living and working in the same space, that was like a massive culture shock that I didn't realise at the time just how isolating it was going to be. Um, and I think that was the that was probably the bit that I wasn't expecting that you then become detached from you know that that social side of of working from and, and from business um so i think that was the that was probably the the hardest part of it was kind of like switching my my mindset in terms of okay like it is just you now do you mean kind <laughs> of how, <laughs> um yeah well that's kind of oh shit type moments yeah yeah it is it's kind of it's like the penny you know the penny kind of drops um yeah. so yeah so that that would that was what I'd, I'd say that um it's trying to keep up the momentum and you've got to be your own cheerleader basically haven't you in, the, in those early days so um, yeah john uh john john comes up with a phrase sometimes who motivates the motivators and yeah, yeah. If, if if you're on your own it is so 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 difficult and you need support from somewhere everybody does because yeah. because of course you're gonna get uh, you know you're gonna have excitement and you're gonna have opportunities and um, you, you're kind of really driving forward, but, but you're going to have moments of doubt um, and, and sometimes just a shoulder to lean on and somebody to talk to, even if you don't get anything back, mm. just kind of helps you come to mind. Concerns with mm. it. So how, how did you cope with that? How did you manage to get your head around that? So um, well, I suppose one of the things I was going to say is I think it's, it's the imposter syndrome as well to begin with, that, you know, you're not a business owner, although you are a business owner you're not an experienced business owner so you kind of you have to fake it till you you make it a little bit to begin with um so it was really it, it took me a little while really to kind of to kind of to get my head around it and what i did is actually partnered up with another person who had um set up a media buying agency and i still work with them today actually we still do quite a lot of work um together and because we were both in the same situation, that he'd left his job in radio to basically sell media. I'd left my, left my job in radio to make radio ads. It was like the perfect combination that he could buy the kind of the radio airtime and I could make the ads. It was the perfect combination. So making that strategic partnership early on really, really helped. Um, and it also from it helped from the isolation perspective as well, because we were always on the phone to each other. Obviously, we've got the meetings together. So we were kind of we were a team. But we were also our own separate entities as well, so I think that was it was a really kind of good thing to do, I would say, in those those early days. Um, but I think now, looking back at the opportunities we've got available today, that we've got so many opportunities with you know things like LinkedIn is just like an amazing networking um, platform that you know we didn't have that I didn't have that available to me then that it, it was it was so isolating. Um, in those very early days that you didn't have those people to bounce off. Now you can literally go online and actually have those conversations with people, albeit online. Um, but I think and social media has really kind of changed things, really. I, I guess as well with social media, you can pick 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 it up and put it down at, you know, any any point in the day that sort of suits yourself. Yes. Whereas, yeah. whereas back, back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, we had to get out of bed, didn't we? We had to get out. We exactly. had to get out of bed and and, <laughs> yeah. and, and grab some breakfast. <laughs> yeah, at a networking event. 
Yeah, um, the networking event. Yeah, networking event. So yeah, so obviously that's how that's how we met, wasn't it? Initially, um, so I, I met Dave originally within a business network, uh, and then I started setting up for networking in the in the northeast. And obviously, that, I remember meeting you, John, at the very first um, very I, I first was, event. I was I was petrified. <laughs> we we were really scared. I, I think um I think so yeah because it was like my first step into you know in into the world of you know we just started blue sky at that point so it was almost like every meeting or every person you spoke to you wanted to give a really good impression to oh. and, and and believe me at half six in the morning that's not my best time yeah <laughs> <laughs> well do you know what though kind of because obviously like networking is all about building relationships isn't it and it's, it's all about kind of breaking down those barriers yeah, getting yeah. to know the people behind the business and i i'm, I'm sure this is i'm sure you said this john and, and keep me right but we did a bit because i don't know whether you remember that event there was like um there's only six of us there yeah, yeah this like six, business yeah. event because it was like you know event number one yeah and we did a thing where we went around the table and said okay come tell us a, come tell us a secret about yourself and i'm sure your secret john was something about winning like best haircut or something like that <laughs> yes it was yes yeah. yeah. it was right it was right yeah yeah the, so um so yeah if you remember the the ritzy nightclub in newcastle so i mean yeah. infamous nightclub and uh this evening uh uh we're talking about the the competition was who had the dodgiest center partner newcastle and and yeah i was uh sort of yeah, dancing away in this in the center of uh, the dance floor, and suddenly the spotlight just landed on us, and and there it was. Yeah, I was picked out for having dodgiest centre partner in, in Newcastle. Yeah, that was it. John's nineteen nineties dress and hairstyle still... sense kind of dragged into the two thousands. Yeah, is it? Is it? Can tell I'm, it's one of my proudest moments in life. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, the the strange thing is though, if you think, kind of, you know, I mean, that was going back to two thousand and eight that so like 15 years ago and it's you know it's a daft little thing that i remember but you know that's it it is all about coming breaking down those barriers isn't it even though that's you know it's got nothing to do with your your business at all you know kind of it's it's all about building those relationships and those personalities and i think that was where i think i I kind of i miss i didn't even know what business networking was to begin with i thought it was like you go along and like sell your business come along you know buy my stuff but it's it wasn't it was about you know just Let's just get to know people and build relationships. I think um, that's it. It's like authenticity, isn't it? And people talk about it yeah. a lot now, but actually, I think you know, looking back, that was it. Just be yourself. It was that like no trust, um, uh, sort of um tagline that was always there. But it was you know that that for me was so so real because yeah, on that morning when I turned up, it was my God, I'm we're going in this room to sell stuff. You know, and it it wasn't that at all. It wasn't that at all. It was it was to build a relationship, um, yeah. and, and a business relationship. Yeah. And I think, think it's networking. Sorry, but back in those days, for networking was it was a very refreshing change to um, mm. many other kind of networking groups. I think, and I think what you're describing there, Mark, with that experience and your knowledge of John, absolutely underlines the importance of getting together with people and. You know, physically and in a networking environment, get to know people and just you know chat, chatting rubbish, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But but for networking itself was was quite groundbreaking in the way it kind of took networking forward and 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 deformalized it a bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, so. The, the basically the way I got involved with for networking, just to rewind a little bit before that, was that I'd been involved 
with another business networking organization and it wasn't I don't know I felt uncomfortable when I was there and I just thought there's got to be some kind of other alternative and I just did literally did the search for you know business networking Four networking came up and at the time they only went as far as Manchester and said if you want to get in you know get get involved you want to hear about the the upcoming groups email brad at fournetworking.biz so I'll drop, kind of drop this guy a line see what this is about and um so sent uh, sent him an email and like he literally came, I think he picked up the phone within about kind of like 10 <laughs> seconds of me me sending it said oh yeah so you're going to be launching kind of you're going to be launching four network in the in the northeast I was like what the heck who is this guy <laughs> um so obviously you know kind of and obviously we you know Brad Burton um you know he became a really good uh you know a really good friend you know I still keep in touch with him now you know kind of uh, without his energy you know four networking wouldn't have been what it what it was so um so it was really it was really good to get involved in those early days and it was it was really useful for me because I didn't really have much of a a network really actually starting these events you then became almost like the center of the network the kind of the connector so everyone within four networking you would get to know um so you know it's one of the best things I ever ever did it was hard work in terms of, you know trying to get people along but just building those relationships in the early days and the other thing I found as well that it, especially in those early days where I was working from home I, I talked about you know feeling like you know a bit of imposter um I'm working from my spare bedroom you know I'm going along to all these people the kind of the turn up in these sharp suits obviously working these big businesses with these fancy offices little did I know the kind of most people were in the same situation that that I was and it was kind of it's like, all oh, right, okay. So it's it's actually it's okay to be to have a business like this. And you know, obviously in today's world, it seems to be a lot more kind of understood because there is there's so many more solo kind of preneurs, I would say, these days. Um, but like back then it was quite it was quite daunting. So it was it was nice, it was a good confidence builder, I found as well. Um and like I said, just kind of just having that network and being able to be kind of like the center in terms of connecting connecting people um the, the probably the best thing i ever ever did i would say it was in, good in fun it was it was good fun and um you know uh and yeah it's such a catalyst for so many businesses um that we've worked with um and that's you know still around the northeast today it came from came from those meetings as well so um do you do any networking now then so kind of like how how do you how, how do you sort of attract new customers now? How how have things changed? Yeah, so um, so these days, uh, so I'm involved with the Entrepreneurs Forum, um, which I think is a brilliant organisation in the northeast. And the thing I like about their events is I, I don't, um, I, I kind of select certain events that I want to go to. So obviously we went to a round table about AI yeah, the other week, it, John. Yeah, yeah. Do you mean so? It's kind of it just kind of discussion, kind of discussing various topics. Um, you know, I think that's really good. And the great thing about the Entrepreneurs Forum as well is that um, again, you know, people are kind of everyone's in a kind of like similar situation in terms of obviously there's you know business there's huge businesses within there and obviously there's kind of the small ones but it tends to be because it it tends to be the business leaders that are uh, in there or obviously senior people it's interesting um 
you know, hearing different people's takes and different people's challenges about various sub, like, subjects, whether it's staff engagement or whether it is marketing or, you know, we're talking about kind of AI. So I think literally just going along and just talking to people around, you know, subjects that you're, you're passionate about, yeah. um, you know, I think that's that's kind of how I'd kind of do it now. So um, so the networking um, the networking I do is it's kind of almost like focused around different topics. So as I say, we went we went to that one around AI. I went to another event which talked about personal branding, um, and yeah, it's, I think it's just good kind of sharing different people's take on things. Um, I was talking to some of the guys at Blue Sky earlier today, and um, yeah, we were talking about networking and how it's just that opportunity to learn. And the curiosity to, to to meet people and find out about people, um, and you know pick up new new experiences from them. And you know the whole uh, roundtable with AI was, I mean that was that was fascinating. There's some people in that that room, yourself included, who are obviously using the technology, um, today in in their business. And then there were there were others who had no intention of ever using the technology in their yeah. business at the start of the meeting, but by the end of it. I think their eyes were open, opened a little bit. Oh, too. totally, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's the thing. I think it, I think it's interesting having those conversations. But I think what I would say as well, in in like kind of today's world, so when when we rewind back to four networking, you remember that we had like there was the online forums we could kind of yeah. go on and have discussions, and then you'd obviously kind of see people at the events, and that was kind of that was kind of groundbreaking. There wasn't really the online offline. Um, networking back at the, back then whereas now obviously you, you look at things like LinkedIn that you know you can you network on LinkedIn and then you can go along to events and meet people in person actually get to know them on a deeper level as well I think that's so powerful certainly from kind of just talking from my perspective that I hate walking into a room where I don't know anyone but if I can you know talk to people online who are maybe kind of going along to events, you can have a bit of kind of a chinwag. And then when you actually turn up to the event, you'd say, oh, yeah, we're connected on LinkedIn. We talked about such and such topic or vice versa. You may meet someone at a, an event and then you take the conversation onto online and on LinkedIn as well. So I think the two work really, really well, hand in hand. Um, I think that's that's the powerful thing, connecting the online networking with the physical side of things um, when it's done right. Um, I think it have like a, you know, like a massive, a massive impact. And also, sometimes people say, oh, I, I don't think I've, I haven't got kind of anything interesting to kind of to say on, on LinkedIn. And I so, say, but you don't need to say anything. Just jump on kind of other people's conversations. So kind of if someone's posting about something, just comment, because yeah. I kind of comment on their stuff and have a conversation. Anything that kind of interests you on your feed, just post a comment. I think Gary Vaynerchuk says that. I'm trying to think what he calls it now, but he says literally go on each day and post like 64 comments. I don't know why 64, but basically kind of go on and kind of post a certain number of comments and you'll see, you know, people, you know, you, your network will start to grow and people will start having that conversation with you. Um, and again, going back to those four networking days that obviously, so just to set the scene for the listeners, um, so the, the format was we had kind of open networking for half an hour at the beginning. Then we went into a 40 second round where you went around the table and everyone said 40 seconds about their business. And then we would have the foresight slot, which was in like an insight, not a sales pitch, 
into um, a person's industry or an in interesting part of their, their life, which was that was a really good kind of like value, um, kind of like value added thing. It wasn't the sales pitch, you were kind of getting that value away from it. And then it, you had the um, three appointments as well at the end, where you're actually just getting to know people. And when you can trans translate that now to the online world, it's it's still very it's still very kind of like similar that when you're having those kind of those three appointments, those conversations, it's all about kind of really getting to know the other person, being interested in in them. So if you're online and you're being kind of really interested in other people who are posted, then that's where the relationships will build. And also the foresight slot, which is all about you know giving value. Now, you know, again, when you're posting on on social, it's all about okay, how can you kind of give as much value and um, you know build those relationships from that perspective as well. So I think it's it's interesting seeing how like I say the two the two marry up. It's it's easier to to get yourself into the right mindset, which is which is away from how can I sell and more into how can I help. Um, yes, and if if you're helping yeah. and and giving advice, it's um, you know business will come to you and you'll 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 kind of naturally gravitate into into the role of an industry expert um, and somebody that people want to mm -hmm. um, work with. John's John's quite good at this at the moment. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm I'm following the just comment back kind of strategy on LinkedIn at the moment, which. Uh, uh, I don't know how good or bad that is, but John John's kind of pushing the the, the boundaries there um, at the minute. But I think um, I mean it's a prime example actually. I was going to say is that you know we just had obviously the um, uh, kind of the budget as well that you know you guys you put out that you, know, you put that the summary those like really concise summary. Um, you break it down for for people in layman's terms, uh, and that's really useful that that for me kind of that's really engaging that it, it hooks me in and, and you know, says that blue sky know what they're doing but i'm getting value from it so you're not selling you're just saying you know here's some value we're help kind of we're helping you out but by default people are going actually you know blue sky know the stuff so if i need an accountant or i'm gonna um change accountants then who am i going to go to you know the person who who knows the stuff so it's there's no difference really kind of like, like I say from those foresight slots really back in the day. Yeah Burton thank you very much for those kind comments there. <laughs> yeah. um, you've obviously given enough value to enough people um, to uh, win an award or two on your journey so what, what have you managed to pick up along the way? Oh so in, in the early days we um, we picked up quite a few of the radio awards, uh, radio awards called Vox Awards um, so kind of picked up quite a few of those in the in the early days, but the 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 one I'm most proud of is we won a Royal Television Society Award um, a couple of years ago, and for me that was that was kind of like the stamp of approval. It was kind of a bit of an emotional night because it was that recognition in terms of so basically the award we won was for best commercial. So um in slightly northeast and the borders so it's best commercial in the northeast for that year um so to actually win that award amongst you know companies who are absolutely huge working with some massive brands to actually win that award for a local client so it was a it was a local college so it was south shields marine school is what we we won for which had a very modest budget compared to some of the other brands it was up against um 
it was it made me kind of think all right hang on a second you know we can sit up against the big boys here you know kind of we're not playing anymore um you know kind of being recognized for the for the work that we the work that we do um so again looking back at those imposter day kind of uh, imposter syndrome days that it, we're not really kind of doing anything different now it's just kind of a different it's a different mindset and just having more confidence really when when you kind of get those awards and i mean you'll know yourself you know when you pick up the awards it's it's just having that recognition is really nice from a confidence perspective isn't it i think in terms of you know spurring you on to kind of to do to do better absolutely um absolutely um so I remember actually the uh, the video for the South Shields Marine School, which I found quite exciting actually from, you know, sitting in an office to, to watching people bombing about um, on boats. Um, yeah. How, how would you approach um, a new job? What, what would your strategy potentially be or how might that change between different types of business? So, a new, so in terms of a new client, how we would kind of structure it. Okay, so this is kind of, it's, it's, it's evolved um, in the time that we've been doing it now so now we see we see video obviously we would we see video is such a central part of um a marketing strategy so the first thing that we do is it's even kind of going back to my radio days to begin begin with is first of all okay who do you want to target who is your primary audience that you want to reach and we try to hone this down as much as possible and we try to hone it down to an individual person if we can um because i think if you can really hone it down to that individual person then it's much easier to know how to talk to them so when i do our training days i talk about a person i got to know in radio a lady called debbie and debbie she um she used to listen to kind of the radio station all the time she'd listen to the breakfast show she'd phone in for the kind of the competitions she lived up the road in chesley street in a semi-detached house with her husband mike and they would go you know, shopping at IKEA at the weekend. Debbie would pick out what they were going to buy, and Mike would have to then get the Allen keys out and put the furniture together, kind of when they came back. And she was a really avid listener of the radio station. She'd listen all day. She loved the no repeat kind of work day. We didn't repeat the same songs twice, which she loved because when she was at work, it wasn't getting repetitive. And um, on the drive home, she would have. Uh, we had a new show called The Way It Is, which was a summary of. The, uh, the day's news, which is great because then Debbie could um, have a summary of, you know, the, the, all those news stories that she may have missed during the day. And then even at the weekend, we had a show called Hairbrush Divas, which was because Debbie was, she was a bit older. Um, she, her clubbing days were behind us and because having kids couldn't go out um, like she used to. Hairbrush Divas was all about playing those club classics that she used to listen to back in the day. And she could, have, she could still have that um, have that music and, and that environment. And it was, like I said, it was called Hairbrush Divas because it was the idea was you kind of sing along with your, your hairbrush. Um, so one of the things I say, I, I talk about the story when we do the training, but the reality is that, you know, Debbie wasn't real. It was a persona that we've created as a radio station. So we knew who we were targeting because radio presenters generally are, um, you know you're in a, a studio by yourself how do you then connect with the listeners so by those presenters actually having an image of debbie and their debbie in their mind they knew exactly what to talk about and actually how to how to talk to them 
So the first thing we do when we're putting together a strategy is we'd really try to hone it down. And I even try to get clients actually give their prospective customers a name as well, because if you, it's all very well saying, okay, I want to target uh, accounts with my offering that if we were holding down and they say, okay, no, I want to target Dave who runs this accountancy firm, um, employs this many staff, uh, this is what he likes to do. This is kind of, it, it's so much easier to then connect on that deeper level. So that's the first thing that we do is try and hone down that as, as best as possible. And then once we know what that person um, that wants, their needs, their pain points, we're then able to come up with a solution. So that may be through, depending on what the client is, it might be a, a TV ad because TV ads uh, still do work, even though people will say that they don't work. We've got clients that are using them to like, really, really good effect, depending on the demographic. It might be things like YouTube ads. Uh, it could be value content as well. We do a, lo a lot of work in the legal sector where it's like they give like loads of value to their prospective customers. So we'll, we'll basically plan out a full strategy for that business um, video-wise and actually have a look at, okay, how can we bring these people who maybe have never heard about your business how can we first of all grab their attention obviously get interested in what you've got to to offer hopefully build desire for what um you have and then eventually get them to take action um to ideally spend money with you or worst case scenario you um give you some kind of contact details so you can then continue to remarket to them in some way um and we do that through five different kinds of video content so we've got hero content which is your kind of your generally your paid ads so how can you hook people in with paid ads to show people you know um what value you can bring to their um, to their lives in some way um hub content so hub content is once okay so once you've attracted that person to the business hub content sits next layer down how can you then drip feed additional content to them so it might be kind of like little value tips and maybe like a little, little sound bites um the next one is help content so help content is actually answering questions that they're looking for these tend to go on youtube because youtube's the second largest search engine and um, after google so how can you answer, actually answer those questions and actually you know the things that they actually want to know how can you answer those questions uh, and then we got Hook content, so once you've kind of gone through those stages, you've started building a relationship, how can you get them to take some kind of action? That doesn't necessarily, necessarily mean buying something. It might be signing up for a waiting list. It might be giving an email address in return for being able to attend a webinar. It might be downloading a white paper. It could be the budget broke, broken down into simple terms, kind of getting that email address just so we know, okay, this person has raised a hand and said, I'm interested in what you have to offer here. And then we have an opportunity to then um, obviously market to them and actually focus our marketing um, towards them. And then once we have them as a customer, the last kind of content we look at is hold content. So, um, you know, how can we hold on to that um, person so they never leave our they, they never leave our business, so they keep coming back and spending more money with us, and we've kind of got that relationship with us so prime example of this would be say during when COVID hit there was the furlough scheme and no one knew what the 
kind of the uh, the flow scheme was. And I know um, you guys did a webinar, didn't you, in terms of ex explaining the kind of like the of flow scheme? Yes. For us? Yeah, in terms of you, know, yeah. in terms of the understanding of it, that's a prime example of of hold content. So it's kind of okay, we've got these, you know, we've got these clients. Okay, now how can we give them as much value so that they stay with us and they, they never leave? So that was a prime example of of kind of hold content. So so hero, hub, help, hook, and hold. So they're the kind of different kinds of content. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Basically, Mark, I know. Um... Time's moving on. I know you um, spent the weekend at, at Centre Parks. What what do you do in your downtime? Apart from being a camera down, film geek. In my downtime. Do you know what it is at the minute? Um, and this sounds daft because obviously you know running a, kind of obviously a TV and um, TV and video company. My little boy uh, asked if we could start a YouTube channel. So. Um, I, I end up coming home and I take my work home with me uh, a little bit as well. So we actually, we have started a kind of a, a YouTube channel now. Um, but what we do is we, so we visit various different places. So things like um, Lula Dory when that opened um, in Anik, we went and did a kind of, like, did a vlog there. And it's, it's literally us being daft and kind of going around with the kind of the camera and having, so having family time, but also documenting it as well. So in my spare time, it is all about, family really that's kind of that's kind of what it is these days um and you know kind of trying to make time for that as well uh we kind of try and make time for like kind of to have fun to together um that's it really kind of in that terms sounds, of the kind of sound, that's, that's very right mark Martha. mark do you ever just jump on the metro and say son who's that yeah yeah oh we didn't mention that did we my claim to fame <laughs> my claim to fame so yeah so my claim to fame being the voice of the uh voice of the metro um so yeah so he used to get a little bit confused when he was on there he, i think he thought i was driving the train when he was younger <laughs> and kind of kind of kind of uh so for, for anybody listening bit, outside the northeast the, the metro is is newcastle and sunderland's version of the the, the underground um but um, maybe not quite as big but, but still pretty spectacular uh, compared to pretty well 95% of the rest of the country as it is and yeah if, if you get on and, and there's the next stop being announced it's Mark's, Mark's voice that you hear. Yeah yeah it's very very random I will, I'm also in the ticker machines as well randomly so yeah. there's a little audio button press the audio button I'm in the ticker machine. Dave there's two northeast celebrities here you know king of centre partners and the voice of the metro what, yeah. what are you <laughs> What you bring it? What you bring this podcast? Yeah, I've, I've got imposter syndrome with when I'm sitting in, in, in a meeting with you. So, yeah, I, I have met Basil Brush. There we go. Oh, there wow. we go. That's, that's my face. Fame. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he won't remember me. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, John, do you have any further questions? No, it's it's uh, it's over to you, Basil. <laughs> And it's over to you, Mark. So have you got one last word of wisdom for, for our listeners? Oh, word of wisdom. Oh, about what? Uh, Even more about anything, yeah. <laughs> um, don't eat yellow snow would be one. <laughs> um, but, um, but um, oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what, well, one thing that, that I'm quite passionate about is, um, is personal development as well as kind of never, kind of never stop learning 
uh, I'm always kind of looking. In fact, on my desk at the minute, I've got like a pile of uh, a pile of books. I always listen to kind of audio books in the car, and I'm always looking at ways of kind of self improvement as well, whether that's um, from a business perspective or whether it's from a personal perspective. It's all about you know how can how can you make yourself a better version of yourself, basically in terms of so the the version of of you tomorrow is better than it is today. Um, so I'm constantly kind of looking at that all, all the time and also from, from business perspective as well. Um, you know, trying to, trying to make it, uh, you know, the, the best business possible, you know, for, for, for everyone, for, for staff, for customers, how can we give customers the best service and, you know, kind of the, the best relationship with us um, as well? You know, how can we, how can we constantly improve? So that's what I, I'm, I guess I'm really kind of passionate about. Um, so, I would say. Demonstrate in a growth mindset. Yeah, go. so I think, yeah, so keep reading, keep learning, keep growing. Yeah, keep going. All right, Matt, thank you very much. You've been a brilliant guest. I knew you wouldn't be very shy. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. I, I, was, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Thank you. No, thanks for your time. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, no worries. Bye-bye.